Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody, welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing design theory, motion design, art direction, entrepreneurialism, business, freelancing, film theory, cinematography, lighting, 3D, branding, all this and so much more with Mitch Myers. Mitch, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, no problem, dude. I'm super excited to be on. Okay, Mitch, I'd like you to just take a few minutes and for those of you out there who haven't heard of Mitch, if you're an After Effects user, you would have seen his name on the startup screen for After Effects. But Mitch, if you could like just explain um, what you're doing now and what your background is. Yeah, um, so I have a um, background in music, actually. I started... Uh, playing in a band right after high school. Um, I actually lived in a studio for a while before that even happened. And um, so I was touring around the uh, the States mostly for um, about three years, about 10 months out of the year. So I was gone a lot. And um, I uh, started doing some design work on the side just out of boredom and um, found that I really like um, the design side of things. Um, so when I got out of the music world, I uh, I got Cinema 4D and started doing a little bit of animation and really found my home in uh, the 3D world, especially recently. Um, and so now, I mean, I've, I've been freelance um, for probably about nine months now. Um, so I'm still getting the hang of, of that whole beast. And um, I'm kind of excited to see what this first full year is going to actually look like. And so far, it's been pretty amazing. Um, worked with some super big clients lately, which has been great. I've been doing a lot of, uh, concert visual type work too, which is always nice. Wicked. Um, but, uh, but yeah, doing, um, doing some really cool stuff and then trying to, uh, get some projects going on the side, um, that don't necessarily have to do with motion design or anything more on the business side, yep. um, just to keep things fresh. Awesome, man. So, um, You've been you're you're no newcomer to podcasting. You've been on quite a few different podcasts for motion design. I'm thinking you've been on Brograph a couple of times, School of Motion quite recently with Joey, where he it was a great episode where you really go into your background and um yeah, I'd recommend everybody have a listen to that. And you've also been on Motion Hatch and um Ash Thorpe's The Collective. So everyone yeah. apart from Ash has been on this show. I have to have Ash on sometime. <laughs> So Definitely. Th- what I'm going to do today is do something really different with you. I want to pull apart some of your work and understand your design process and your thinking and your approach to it. And then we're going to really go into your thinking from a business and being an entrepreneur because I know that that's really important to you as well. Yes. Wicked. So let's go straight into it, mate. And we're going to... Um, I want to start with um, the newer headphones piece because um, it's a company that you worked with, The Mill, on this one, and I just love everything that they touch. So um, how did they contact you to be involved with this particular project? Yeah, um, so that initial contact happened before I even went freelance. Um, I think it was at NAB. I was there and was hanging around the Cinema 4D booth and uh, one of their art directors was doing a uh, presentation for Max on that year. And I got to talking to him about um, kind of trying to see if there's any way I could handle any overflow that the mill might have. Um, just little things like that. 
And uh, once I went freelance, um, I sent him an email and see uh, see if we could work together. And eventually, um, they contacted me again about some some potential projects, and they ended up being my very first client as a freelancer, along with um, Adobe too. Those two projects were my first projects um, in my first month, so it was pretty uh, insane. <laughs> you don't start small, do you, bro? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like um, two amazing companies to work with and collaborate with. Wow, that's that's an outstanding start to a freelance career. Definitely. We'll have a link to this piece. And um, what I really like is the integration of the live shot footage and the motion design, which is really key to this whole piece and this execution. With the development of doing the motion design elements, how involved were you with the full shoot and the whole production as well? Yeah, so I actually didn't touch any of um, the... um the actual footage or art direction or anything like that. I was mainly working with the art directors in the very uh, beginning stages of the project to kind of get a feel for what the whole thing might look like. Um, And um, working along with some storyboards that were developed and trying to see what the whole vibe might be for this um, project and kind of shipping that back and forth between myself, the mill and the client yeah. And um so I was I was initially in charge of developing what these little neon lines might look like and how they might come about in this kind of um audio universe spectrum kind of thing that we uh we were thinking about. So um it was awesome to kind of be in the very uh starting stages of this project and kind of um get to think of the, the core kind of basics of how this project is going to go down. And, um, and it's kind of cool to see my uh, initial ideas and how it ended up um, kind of morphing throughout the entire process after I kind of let go of the project. And um, it's, uh, it turned out pretty awesome, I think. Turned out really well. I, I, it's so obvious how important those um, neon lines were to be incorporated in the scene, all that contact lighting, you know, like just seeing how much um, on set they would have had to have been thinking about adding that contact lighting, reflecting what the animation is doing as well. It's a beautiful piece. Definitely. They did an awesome job on that. So when you're working with a company like The Mill, are you working as a complete remote freelancer in that respect or are you actually spending some time physically with them as well? Yeah. Um, I, as a freelancer, I'm always open to travel when the project needs it. But, um, for that one, I was a uh, remote freelancer. Um, and my direct contacts were the art directors on the project. So, yeah. um, it was pretty easy to work with cause coming from the uh, agency side, um, the month prior than that, from that project, I was kind of used to working with art directors and creative directors and stuff like that anyway. So yeah. it was an easy kind of switch just to kind of jump on a project for the mill. Those relationships that you build up and when you're, when you're working with a team of an art director and a copywriter, 
you you understand the personalities and the approaches and the aesthetics of the individuals and the but also you understand the brand and what the brand's looking for and brand is such a huge important thing for you yeah your brand is so defined and it's so you and it's even down to your skype profile photo your brand follows <laughs> on everything yeah for real um i don't know man i just like to stay consistent and um just i i don't know if it's um just kind of where i've taken my career i've kind of been in and out of the advertising side of things for um quite a while um and so maybe something rubbed off on me but i i'm i've just always felt that um doing your own personal branding is um you know just as important as making sure your work looks good if um yeah if you have a brand that kind of accurately represents who you are as an artist and it looks really nice then um, it's kind of nice to see how people can connect um, random things that they would see in their world um, to your brand after it's spread for a little bit, just like a color combination or a, um, a type of logo that reminds you of my logo, just stuff like that is like, it's cool to be able to put those little seeds in people's brains and then see what comes of it. And that's basically what branding is. Yeah, totally. And so when did you first develop the initial brand? Like, I'm wondering how, how old is this? Because it is really well established already. Yeah, um, it started as um, a logo that I made for myself. I always, even, even when I had no use for it, kind of making my own personal branding was something fun for me to do anyway. Um, and it was, it was, cool to put on like stills that I'd post on Instagram or whatever. It's just like a nice way to watermark my work that I uh, put on the internet. But once I knew I was going freelance, I was like, okay, I need to kind of revamp this thing and tighten it up a little bit. Um, so I went through basically what I would go through if I had a client and I was doing branding with them anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I made it like an entire um, like brand um, style guide for myself and um, kind of put that into practice and follow that as strictly as I um, would like a, a big brand like Sam's or whatever. Um, and it's, it's served its purpose really well. I I've had a lot of people um, give me props on how it looks and how it flows throughout my different ch channels and everything. Um, so I think time will still tell how important it really is. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely going to help me grow faster than I normally would if I didn't have it. Yeah, definitely. And something else is, um, you know, an easy to identify a brand, but everyone's also looking for their own style and voice and something that flows through in your work in some way is um, some, that, that voice that you've developed over your career. I, I you know, it's obvious how much um, light and um, shadow is important in your work just as much as color. Your SIGGRAPH presentation on lighting and creating a scene film noir mm -hmm. sort of came up quite heavily in that presentation and it's really cool to see that thread running through different pieces as well yeah for sure um i think that just naturally developed um there was a long time when uh, I was kind of like a jack of all trades and I would try um, as many different styles as possible just because I wanted to know how to do it, um, which I'm glad I did because it gave me a good foundation um, in problem solving um, in a bunch of different mediums. But um, now it, it, it kind of developed into I only want to do what I want to do, what I have like the most passion for. Yeah. 
And basically what you see coming from me now is what I would want to do no matter even if I was getting paid for it or not. Um, and I think that's like a perfect way to find your own style. If you start doing something that you want to do 24 seven and it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for it or not, then I think you've probably found the style that you should probably find a home in. And that's kind of what I've, I've tried to do. And, um, it's been awesome because every time a client comes to me, they, um, come to me for my style and what I'm putting out there, even that if it's very, um, I guess if you have your own style, you're kind of stripping away that jack of all trades thing and you're requiring yourself to be a specialist at that point. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it has some downfalls that that style might not be what a majority of clients might be looking for. Um, but the clients that do come to you for that specific thing, um, are going to be awesome clients to work for because they came for a specific reason and you're not going to have to fight them too much. It's, um, being nine months in this industry is over time really about the relationship. So having a client that comes for you initially for your style and look, but then that relationship builds and they want to bring more work in the future. How, you know, do you feel comfortable enough if a job isn't going to be in something that you're really interested in pursuing of turning that work down? Or do you feel like building those relationships are just as key? Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't had to, the only reason I've ever had to turn anything down in my freelance career so far is just because I haven't had time for it, um, which is an awesome problem to have. Um, I haven't had any clients come to me for um, something that is not really my forte or style or whatever. Um, So it's either I've been really lucky that I've only gotten the types of clients that I've really wanted or the way I'm doing things is starting to kind of work out and the, the branding in my style and doing all the things that I'm doing is, is attracting the right, the right clients for me. Yeah. I think it's definitely that. I don't think there's much luck involved in here. The way that you're approaching every aspect of your business, it, it feels very well thought out and well planned and uh, now really well executed. Definitely. I mean, if I, I've always been the type of dude who has like kind of big goals, um, just to, if you, if you have big goals and some crazy things might happen in your life and you might actually achieve them. So why not have them? Yeah. Um, but having those those big goals in mind and constantly making decisions to get me closer to achieving those things have kind of brought up random opportunities that you normally wouldn't think you would ever get. Um, and so like planning through the process is almost um, – it's almost something you don't realize that you're even doing. You're just naturally um, making those types of decisions that you've already – kind of put in place in your subconscious in order to kind of like get what you want from the future, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And it's like, do you think that approaching that and laying it down, you know, you've got a style guide for your brand, but also having a little bit of a a roadmap and some guidelines for you and how you operate your business as well. helps you um, stick to the right direction of where you want to head. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. We sort of uh, lay out, spend a bit of time and some real thought on it, and not just let your career be pushed around, but actually be really focused on exactly where you want to head with it and make that happen. Yeah, it's, 
It's not it's not an easy road, but um you're doing so bloody well at it, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So um one of the most creative executions that we get to be involved in um in our early careers i find is music videos because there tends to be not the hugest budgets for them but a lot of creative opportunity um i've worked on quite a few in my early career but i really loved your shapist hourglass principal music video and wanted to sort of pull that apart a little bit so are you mates with um the band yeah, um, they are a local band here in St. Louis, and um, that project actually happened while I was still at the um, agency that I was at before going freelance. And I just I knew they were writing new music, and I wanted to do something for fun to have um, sort of a passion project uh, to work on from time to time. So I went to them and asked them if they would be willing to. Um, do a music video. I do it for free. Um, I just want to have full creative control over it and just make something pretty. Yeah. Um, and they were all for it. And it, I got some friends to help me out um, with it too. Uh, Josh Guffey and Levi Kirby, two dudes that were working at the agency with me, um, wanted to do it. And so it was awesome to have like a small crew of friends and then like the band dudes to hang out with and kind of vibe with different ideas and I just wanted to do something dark and weird and something that's not really traditional as far as um, a music video. Yeah. Um, and so I chose different camera. Like I, I made the camera static instead of, you know, moving around like crazy, like motion music videos. I just wanted to go into something different, make the opposite decisions that most do. And it was either going to fail horribly or is it, <laughs> it was going to work. And, um, it looks cool. I think it it turned out pretty fun, um, and it was nice to kind of mess around with some some random ideas and uh, just see how they would flow. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very stylized, and it's just very different, which is what you want from a music video to stand out visually from the rest of it, the crowd, really. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I know that you worked as a motion designer early in your career for the Rams, and I'm like, is the um, Rams skull a little bit tribute to your early career? Or yeah, I they were my first full time gig as a like salaried motion designer, and um, I never thought I would do any sort of um, sports motion designer thing because w- I'm not like a huge sports guy, um, besides like action sports and stuff. But um, I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. And if anything, it'll probably just be a, a cool opportunity. At least it sounds cool. Um, and um, so I took the job and it turned out to be like an, a really, really awesome group of dudes uh, to work with. And they're still my friends uh, to this day. And we got to do some cool online um, type video, some docu style type video, and so it was. It was kind of like a good, a good transition from not having a job to um, being at the Rams, and then trying to find an agency style um, job after that too. Yeah, um, at least gave me a clear picture of that um, sports stuff necessarily isn't right for me, and. Um, it, it probably wasn't something I wanted to do forever. So it kind of, it cleared up my vision for my future a little bit more after that job. Yeah. Great opportunity to try lots of different 
techniques, but I was more thinking in in the music video, you've got the naked woman with the skull and it looks like a ram uh, skull. And it's totally, like, yeah. There's no connection, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Um, that was basically... Um, I wanted to put some 3D stuff in the music video and I, I didn't have a whole lot of time... Um, as far as uh, render time available and stuff, because the only machine that I had was the one I was using at work, which basically be like, okay, I have to make this thing on my lunch break and then render it overnight. Um, And so I needed to do something simple, but I I just wanted to make it pretty and maybe tie it in somewhere um, just to be like, maybe this, this kind of creature statue kind of demonic thing is the reason this uh, whole world that this band is in is kind of like this dark grungy reality getting ripped apart kind of idea is so I, I kind of just like made a reason for it to fit in there just because i wanted to make it yeah, um cool which is it's always it's nice because when you have a personal project you can make those decisions and, and no one can tell you it sucks because you're like whatever i'm just doing it for fun anyway yeah creative selfishness it's it's a good thing yeah so um that that, that those scenes were quite bright and quite overlit where the band footage um is quite dark and then you mixing it too with the stylized treatment that you bring into it did you um did you sort of develop some boards initially for like what the looks might be or were you just sort of trying some different ideas like what sort of pre-production process did you do before you went and actually shot the band mm-hmm. yeah so i i wanted um to experiment with um, pixel sorting, which is um, kind of that 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 distortion that you're seeing throughout most of the music video. Yeah. Um, and, and so I wanted to tie that in somewhere. And uh, so I think originally I just put together a mood board on what I wanted the coloring to tie, to kind of look like, and maybe different camera angles that I was thinking of, and sent that to um, my team and the. Uh, the the guys in the band just to see what they thought and just to go back and forth with ideas on on maybe possible locations and uh stuff like that and so um we did minor pre-production i would say i think the hardest part was finding the actual location to shoot the music video we actually had a friend at the agency that we're working at who had a place where he had band practice and it was like this old rundown type warehouse building and i knew i only needed like a little bit of concrete and that's about it because i wanted everything else to fall off to black um so that worked perfectly and from there we just kind of um set up my couple uh angles that i wanted from the camera and just started shooting the thing and the rest was up to me as far as post wicked um i was quite interested to when you're shooting the actual footage because it is graded quite dark fading off to black mm. like you said you're utilizing some sort of selections and things for that pixelization were you shooting it um a little bit brighter so you could get some selections i'm wondering how you were managing to pull off the um selections that you utilize quite heavily in those distortions yes so um the plugin that i use to create those um those pixel sorting effects 
uh, is a plugin on AE scripts. And I'm pretty sure it's just called AE Pixel Sorter. And it gives you the option to choose highlights or shadows or whatever as far as where you want the distortion to originate from. Yeah. And so I do, I wanted to have like a hard contrast. And I, I wanted to kind of go with like a film noir style um, light setup. Super simple. So it's not going to be hard to get the lighting to the location. Um, and it's not going to cost us a whole lot if we have to rent anything, which I think the only thing that we ended up renting was just a, um, a, uh, a shadow catcher. Um, and that was it. So, um, we didn't even usually use it that, that much. I think we used it to block some light <laughs> from a window as what it ended up being used for. Yeah. But, um, but it, it was, it was an easy process because I knew that everything just needed to be as simple as possible and um, that I was just going to take the highlights or the lowlights from something and just rip it apart and post. Nice. Um, so, you know, doing coloring and stuff like that wasn't as important to me. Uh, we shot it in log um, just to give me some some room to adjust if I needed to, but I wasn't too worried about it really. I really like that, you know, film noir is so heavily um, reflected in this piece and the whole essence of noir, you know, um, coming about because of budgets and being a little bit more creative with the lighting sort of reflects, you know, what you're trying to do with this music video as well. For sure. So how did you go about with the edit of it? Because there's, um, yeah, like, were you sort of creating the different tracks and then trying the edit after that or were you editing it and then applying the effects what sort of approach were you doing with that yeah so that was i'm not an editor at all so that was just so hard for me to kind of pick and choose how i wanted this thing to flow um i didn't expect it to be that hard until i got into it and then i was just like man i have no clue what i actually want this to look like um but it it really just went from going through each one of the guys' performances that we got, um, cutting each one separately to the music, just so I would have um, the highlights that I thought were special in the shots that we got. And so by the time I got done with uh, all the cutting, at least it was a full playthrough from each of the band members just stacked on top of each other. And so I could pick and choose which uh, shot I wanted just by um, hiding the other band members. Um, and so that was a good way to first initially see what kind of uh, footage that I got that was actually usable and that I wanted to use and then see what I needed to fill um, in between those those uh, golden shots. Yep. Um, and so it made it a little bit quicker Um just going through uh, the already cut footage for each person and hiding one and just picking and choosing which one looked better. And that was basically the, my reasoning for who was in a certain um, angle at a certain time in the song. It just kind of went from what are the best shots and then what kind of adjustments do I have to make after that? And throughout the whole piece, you've got these floating embers. What was the idea behind that? Yeah, um, so the whole idea, the rough kind of vague idea for this thing was this this uh, kind of entity was in a different um, plane of existence 
uh, from the band members, and that's why we kind of did this black and white contrast between those two shots. Um, and so the the pixel sorting was kind of those two universes or um, planes of existence were kind of like ripping away and kind of becoming one. Um, and so I just wanted to put a little bit of uh, some atmospheric effects. And so I, I knew I wanted some, some dust uh, and some lens flares and stuff like that in post, but I wanted to um, kind of not go too overboard with it. And once I put those, those little um, sparks and things in it, I left it, uh, I left the saturation on it on the uh, shots with the band members and it ended up looking really cool. And so I was like, I'll just keep it um, because no really reason, just, just, it looks good. So I'm just going to go ahead and keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Gut gut instinct goes a long way. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, I was just looking um, through your work and something that, you know, apart from the the lighting, which really reflects um, your style, you've got a lot of um, glowing light. You really like incorporating whether it's actually um, light that's bouncing from another light source or it's actually like a neon light. Do you mm-hmm. think that that's just something that um, has developed in your work that you really like to play with? Yeah, I, I just I'm always in love with atmospheric effects, and it's probably just stems from my love of film noir yeah. style, like you know, video. It's just so cinematic to me, especially combined with you know different types of lighting setups that might be a little harsher than you would normally see. It just like it has so much punch to it, and so normally when I'm working, I'll almost always either use um, some bloom or actually put some volumetrics in my scene just to kind of give it that, that bigger feeling. Um, it yeah. kind of puts, puts you in the scene a little bit more too. Um, and which kind of sucks for my, my render time sometimes because <laughs> I'm like, I'm almost killing myself on something that I wouldn't naturally need to do, but I just, I, I uh, have to do it just because I need it to look the way yeah. I want it to. I don't know. I'm just so I'm so particular about things and atmospherics are one thing I'm extremely particular about. And you've um you've gone into selling some products, which um you have some light setups for Octane, you have some volumetric VDB packs. I'm like thinking, so you're doing a lot of this in Cinema 4D, in render, rather than doing a compositing approach with it all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 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 nice because with these new render engines, you are given the luxury to make that decision, whether or not you want to do it in, in, a, um, in After Effects, after the fact, or if you want to do it straight out of Cinema now and do light um, post stuff and After Effects afterwards, which is what I usually do. Um um, at least up to this point, I definitely didn't always do it that way, but just having Octane, um, which is my main workhorse right now, um, if just having the ability to set something up the way I normally would if I was doing it practically is extremely useful for me when I'm trying to art direct a scene, and um, I can I can see some some feedback that's extremely quick too. And now all these other third party render engines are coming up and. They're doing phenomenally well too. I know tons of people that use Redshift um, and Arnold and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to make something that looks probably sexier than what you could make a couple of years ago, just like straight out of cinema 40 now. Yeah. I've, um, I, for a long time we were on Mac, so GPU rendering wasn't an option. And then, mm-hmm. um, Started last year, we moved to PCs and jumped into Octane. And then when Redshift came out, jumped into that. And I've been really enjoying uh, using Redshift, the art direction that you get in cinema, where you're really just moving the lights around to catch that right highlight. You know, just Mm -hmm. such small little details that you can visualize so quickly now. Definitely. And I'll I'll still spend hours like messing with lights, even if it's faster. (laughs) (laughs) I want to transition and start talking about being an entrepreneur because, yeah, I know that it's really important for you. And having created and crafted your brand, you've really got an opportunity now to try some things moving forward. So what do you think that you want to leverage from your brand or are you looking to be an entrepreneur in other disciplines or areas of business? What Where are you at with everything? Yeah, so I'm... I'm doing a lot of different stuff, um, motion design and art direction. And what I'm doing mainly now is still my number one thing. It's what I love to do every day, but, um, I love to be that entrepreneur that is, is kind of developing different things and different mediums. It keeps things a little more interesting. Um, and me and my wife own a salon together that she runs, um, from day to day, uh, which has been awesome. Um, I'm doing some other, uh, type business startups on the side. And I also started up, um, a mentorship program. I always have tons of people coming to me for advice and things like that. And, uh, I always figured it was so hard to be able to make sure I was, um, you know, getting back to everyone, uh, as quickly as I could and just trying to be as much help, um, to those, um, in the industry. And I know a lot of freelancers, not just in our industry, but you know, any have a hard time going from having everything taken care of, um, of, of for them as far as being an employee and not having to worry about specific things and then jumping into being a um, business owner where you're responsible for everything. You might not even know what types of, uh, what types of things to look out for or, or what you need to do. Yeah. Um, which is why I started this, this mentor thing. Um, if, if, if it's on Patreon, so if um, enough people become uh, patrons to it, I can afford to supplement some client work um, with helping uh, my patrons out more and trying to jumpstart some people's careers and uh, start get th- getting things going good for them uh, to where they can be successful business owners and entrepreneurs if they uh, want to go that route as well. Awesome. So um, you can find that on Mitch's website through the link at the top right, yes. which is The Jump. Um, great, great brand in itself. It still reflects strongly um, Mitch Myers, the motion designer. Is this yes. a mentorship for motion designers or is this really about um, creativity? So anybody in the creative community? Yeah, totally. Anybody in the creative community. I didn't want to specifically... 
um, target motion designers is because I know there's much more uh, kind of branches in the creative industry as a whole. And there's a lot of opportunities for freelance and entrepreneurialism in those industries. And, uh, you know, why not have those people come in um, and, you know, send me their their questions. I do lessons all the time on the uh, the patron wall where I go through um, a whole list of ways that I, I think someone could be more successful or tips or whatever like that. Um, so, yeah, anybody's welcome to go on there and um, see what types of things they can learn. I myself have had a lot of mentors up through FCB, the agency I work for, and mm-hmm. it was actually a real pivotal turning point in my career. Having somebody who was um, coming from a point of experience and had gone through it, much easier to um, get their views and their guidance and their insights while I'm going through my own career development I also felt that um, having somebody who wasn't as close specifically to what I was doing also helped. So the fact that the, <laughs> that person wasn't involved in motion or editing or so I could, you know, but still interested in creative. So I could see how you being a mentor for other creators would be really empowering as well. Totally. I mean, someone can, you know, have all of the attributes that would make, um, you know, an, a, a successful person, an entrepreneur or a business owner, but having a mentor there definitely will give you, um, kind of jumpstart and a, a quicker process to get to where you would want to be, um, in, in your specific career for sure. Okay. So Mitch, like you've got a lot going on, um, and you've also got a family as well. Uh, and I've heard on um, Joey and Ash's podcast how important the family was. And that's why when the Rams went to LA, you stayed in um, St. Louis. So how yeah. is that balance been for you now, being a freelancer, where um, you're trying to get that work-life balance, but it's not like every day can be really well balanced. Sometimes you have a really heavy time with work and then are you finding that you can then balance that out with a bigger patch of family time as well? Yeah, I think that's what I've tried to do. It's probably been the slowest thing to develop for me um, as far as knowing what steps to take for my family and how to keep my career and business on track too. Um, and there definitely have been times that I'm working night and day through weekends, stuff like that. Um, and it's really the only, only way to do it that I've found so far is to just do your best to block off whatever you missed out on in a, in like a future date. So if I had, you know, no weekend for a couple weeks and I would, I would make sure I had at least uh, four days off, um, to spend with the family before I start something new. Um, so I'm, I'm still working at it. And luckily my wife, Jess is super supportive. Um, and she understands kind of the struggle of starting up, um, your own thing. And we went through it with the salon. She definitely did. So we've, we've, uh, we're, we're, we're good as far as working with each other and making sure that everyone is happy in the family, especially our daughter. Yeah. Um, but everything's been, been pretty awesome. It's just making sure that you're aware of, uh, how things are going 
both in your career and um, in your family life and making sure that those two things align. Um, and if they don't, then just making the necessary changes um, in order to get there. Yeah, that is really awesome that um, your wife Jess has been an entrepreneur for herself and can recognize the challenges and the struggles and making that start as well. Oh, totally. All we talk about is business. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> uh, um, awesome stuff, man. So I know that um, film theory is really important to you and design theory as well. So early in your career, how much time were you dedicating to really getting a strong understanding of both of those disciplines? Yeah, I think at the beginning of the career, I was definitely spending a majority of my time learning about design and what design really means. And that's because I, I, I was initially thinking of becoming like a print type ad designer. Um, and I didn't know that I was going into animation at that point, at least yeah. in the very, very beginning. Um, and so I always, always studied film theory without really knowing that I was studying film theory um, just throughout my life. Uh, I think it developed more, um, as I was playing music and stuff like that, I actually ended up watching tons more movies while I was doing that <laughs> because I had so much downtime. And, um, and so I had a certain type of film that I was always attracted to and it always had this certain type of style and it always had this certain type of, uh, sequencing and all, all these kind of things that I was I was noticing the correlation between and I started wondering why those types of decisions were being made um, and that kind of drew me into film theory and just kind of trying to break down uh, certain films and why uh, DPs were making certain decisions and yeah. I think that started to reflect in my 3D world once I started diving really heavy into cinema and I knew that I wanted to be primarily a 3D artist. Um, I thought I started thinking about that much more since we are working in more of a, a natural world um, as far as relating from 3D to the practical world. I could still set up my cameras and lights and stuff the way I would uh, normally. Um, and so once those things made a connect, then I, I kind of started to run with it. And so much more now with these render engines, which really um, do reflect real world lighting situations and bringing, bringing that into it. Yes, definitely. And made it tons easier. <laughs> music. It's yeah, every, every episode music comes up in some form because I feel that it's majority of people who are interested in creativity are really interested in music strongly as well. It seems to be just such a common thread. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's almost uh, a guarantee that someone who does motion design or anything like that is going to be like a guitar player <laughs> or something like that, too. I know so many dudes who do the same thing I do and chicks and, and they all like play in bands. Yeah, man. And I'm just like, oh, I, I had no idea that that you were into music like I was and stuff. So yeah. it's always awesome to find out. Yeah, we should, it should be like a mass jam session at one of these motion design <laughs> meetups there. Just have drum kits oh, and guitars man. and keyboards and just like jump on and off whenever you want. Oh, man, it'd sound horrible. <laughs> Everyone would quit playing music. <laughs> so um, you still got time for music? Uh, I try to make time. I 
there i usually play music now when i start to feel bad about myself and i'm I'm like oh man i haven't played my guitar in so long and i'll just require myself to take time to kind of um jump back on it and do i just want to like stay fresh at least it doesn't matter to me so much now that i become the best guitar player in the world i just want to at least maintain yeah, um, and so I, I've done enough to at least accomplish that, which is cool. So, um, you were playing guitar at, at school. Yeah, I actually, um, while I was in high school, is when I started playing guitar, and I uh, joined some local bands, um, and nothing really serious. I knew I wanted to do it for a living, and so I was thinking about it seriously. But I knew that I had to wait a certain amount of time before I'd get the opportunity. Um, so I spent most of my high school years just kind of getting my skills up to par. Yeah. And then when I got the uh, the opportunity to move to North Carolina and uh, live in that studio, I just automatically took it because I figured, hey, that's the sign. Maybe I'm graduated. Let's let's do this thing. And um, so I I lived in a recording studio for like a few months and like slept on the couch. And uh, the band who ended up joining uh, rolled through and started recording some of their new songs for the new album. And then that's when I got into that band. So I guess technically it was that um, that moment in calling that I decided to kind of uh, randomly jump on. I am kind of looking back on it. I've always been a, a kind of stupid... Uh, opportunity taker almost (laughs) i would take uh certain opportunities that have no backing um or even uh likelihood of succeeding but if i've like felt it in my gut then i would just go ahead and do it anyway i wouldn't really think about it much and it's always kind of worked out which is nice oh that's that's awesome that you got the guts to do it because uh yeah it it can be scary but the benefits even if um things don't pay off how you expect them to there's always um some, some payoff in some way yeah, I've I've slowed down on my risk taking since getting a a wife and kid because I'm responsible for more than myself now. But me, uh, me and me and the girl kind of take our risks together now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> nice, nice. And now it's time for the pro video picks. First up, we have our pro video pick. What would be yours for this week, Mitch? Yeah. Um. So. I think something that's been extremely important for me and my career is kind of developing a super strong uh, mindset and making sure that mindset is as positive as you can make it and um, making sure that little decisions or not decisions, but like uh, the little things that happen in life, whether it be um, a client or project doesn't go through well or um, someone stiffed you on payments or the agency that you're at isn't necessarily the place you want to be or whatever. Just making sure that you're still, um, you still know what kind of goals you have set out for yourself and you know, uh, for a fact that you are going to accomplish those goals. You just haven't gotten to that specific time frame in the future. Yeah. Um, that's always an awesome mindset to have because you're always, looking out for those opportunities, um, to get you there. And you're always making decisions, um, along that path to get you there too. So even if you're in a rut or, or, or anything like that, maintaining the right 
type of mindset to clarify your mind in order to notice those opportunities and to make those decisions is extremely important. I found out um, it 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 makes everything a bit clear and it keeps you ahead of everything and it keeps you on top of everything going around you because being a freelancer and a business owner and stuff, there's too much to do in the time span of a day. Um, and, you know, if you don't have to worry about the way you're thinking or um, anything like that, it just gives you one less thing to try to manage, which yeah. is always perfect. <laughs> Good pick, man. Thanks. Okay, so following, this could be anything. It could be a sports team, okay. could be a podcast, could be a motion designer or an artist or whoever. So who would you, what would you say that you follow? Um, so my all-time favorite thing to listen to while I'm working, specifically on Fridays because that's when they release episodes, is the Mysterious Universe podcast. Uh, it's uh, two dudes from Australia, and they talk about really like esoteric type things um, like UFOs and mind control and Bigfoot and all those all those weird things, nice. uh, which I love to kind of like zone out on. Um, and they're just super funny too. So I would definitely check them out if you want to get a good laugh while you're working. That's awesome. Um, well, I hope everybody listening is into podcasts. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. You can never have enough good podcasts. So awesome. Inspiration and influence. This one is a pretty open-ended one. So it can be really anything that you like. What would, Where do you find your inspiration and influence? Okay, so um, I... I probably find most of my inspiration from just about anywhere. Um, I think most of the time when I have a lack of inspiration or I'm just not feeling it and that's nothing's coming together. Right. It's usually because I'm, I'm thinking about it too hard and um, I'm just not getting the, my mind's eye isn't working as, as, as good as it should. And so I, it's, that's the, the, type of time to take a break and go play video games or watch a documentary or just chill outside or something. And most of the time those breakthrough moments that you might have in a project will come just to you when you're randomly sitting around, not thinking it at all. Yeah. And so that's what I usually try to do. I had a couple of days like that um, earlier this week to where I just could not get something to come out of. I knew what I wanted, but I just couldn't develop it. Um, and so I just took uh, a night off. I was, I've, I've been working like till three in the morning for the past like few days on this because I double booked myself. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been like a struggle to make sure I have a, a very high inspiration for both of these clients because I want to make sure that the quality coming out is um, the way it should be for me. Yeah. And, um, and so making sure that I'm recognizing when these moments happen and taking charge and, uh, leaving it alone and finding something else to do, um, usually saves more time than sitting at your computer nonstop and kind of banging your head against the wall until something comes out. Yeah. It's a really good insight. And, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and, and your, and your downtime when you've been so busy, man, I really appreciate that. No, it's all good, man. I love it. And hopefully um, this little time that you've taken out might um, draw some other breakthrough in the project too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Sweet, man. Nice. Okay, so inspirational video. What would you put forward for that? Yeah, uh, Ash Thorpe's uh, new Akira tribute um, is solid. He worked along with another motion designer, but I, I don't have his name in front of me right now. 
but that 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 one is powerful i love looking at that it's like it's it's perfect in its own way i love it and then um i love everything elastic does they're one of my uh favorite clients and um i love title sequences and the night managers title sequence is freaking beautiful both in the transitions and the visuals like it's it's uh it's polished for sure i'm, I'm still obsessed with that one nice nice do you um chat with Raul Marx very much no no I I haven't got to talk to that dude but hopefully uh we end up meeting one day and just geeking out about stuff that'd be cool yeah he's a real nice guy I only met him briefly at Node Fest which is in Melbourne um yeah. last year so I um, caught up with him at the bar um yeah awesome dude want him yeah, to come on awesome. the show but he's like oh no i can't talk about anything so, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he oh. seems like the the shire type dude he doesn't necessarily like doing podcast stuff at least that's what i hear yeah yeah maybe one day maybe but um yeah it'd be cool to like catch you at note um yeah we have to talk to james oh, about dude. that for future yeah Wicked, bro. Um, okay, so where should everyone go to follow you online? Where would you like to point everyone? Yeah, I got everything. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Got my website and then that uh, Patreon. If you guys wanted to jump on that too, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, either one of those. Uh, the Most of them are the same link besides, I think, my Twitter. But um are you going to put that in the show notes? Yeah, we'll have all these links. Cool. Yep. So, okay, perfect. Yep. So um, if you're listening on a podcast app, swipe whichever direction brings up the show notes and then you can click on the links there. And if you're listening somewhere else on Spotify or whatnot, go to providiopodcast.com and we'll have the show note links there as well. And while you're there, you can jump into the Slack group, which is at providiopodcast forward slash Slack. And... Um, providiopodcast.com forward slash slack whoa that's a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> and you're in the slack group now too Mitch so thanks for joining up bro no yeah it's awesome I'm glad to be in that yeah it's um it's building and um it's a place for everybody to just share whatever they want there's a channel for everything so jump in there and um spark up a conversation with us all and finally Mitch who do you think I should get on the show in the future who would you recommend Okay, so um, my dude, Raid Zero, as you'll find him on Instagram. He's an awesome dude. Uh, he recently went freelance, too, uh, shortly after I went freelance, and I know he's been doing some really cool stuff. So he might have some cool insights as far as the freelance jump, too, since he's uh, so fresh to it. Um, um, he did. <laughs> he's been on the show. Has he? Yeah, That's man. awesome. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see that. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well that one is well good job then you already took one of my pricks my, my picks <laughs> nice <That's one>. perfect <laughs> um merc vilson yeah uh, he's got a patreon too he's been doing tons of crazy stuff with cinema um, yeah yeah with his plugins and everything and then uh my dude lorkin um he's one of the reasons that i got the opportunity to speak at seagraph with cinema he introduced me to uh, Matthias over at Maxon. So cool. He's an awesome dude. He did the stuff for the Olympics recently. Um, I know he worked on uh, Ender's Game, did a lot of UI stuff for that. So that dude has 
crazy knowledge. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to have to follow up with them. I've, I need to start. I've been asking this question for a couple of months now, and I actually need to start booking some people. There's just so many cool people out there to get on the show to chat with. Oh, so, there's tons. Yeah, and Merck, definitely. I've been um, supporting him on Patreon for a few months now, and you know the plugins that and the little um, tutorials that he puts together, there's just a wealth of resources he's putting out into the community. Yeah, he's a very smart uh, Maxon user for sure. Yeah. Okay, so um, if you're going to follow the podcast, we're on Facebook as well. We've got the Facebook page, Search for Pro Video Podcast. The Facebook group, that's where we're putting all the links and stuff. Um, Search for the Facebook group, Pro Video Podcast, and we have links in the show notes. Twitter as well, Pro Video Podcast. We've got the website. We've got Spotify. I'm on Twitter, at Blair Walker. But Slack, that's where I'm really asking everybody, jump in, start a conversation. Love to have you there. So, Mitch, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. Really appreciate you being here. No problem, dude. Thanks for the opportunity. I love um, being on podcasts, as you know, and it was awesome to talk to you about uh, the industry and geek out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And you had such a strong start with your freelance career. I, I just... I'm so keen to see what you do in the future because I know it's going to be big. So we're going to have to have you on again and dissect some future projects too. Totally, anytime. It's um, it's always a bit weird because like every day I see your name because I open up After <laughs> Effects every day. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's it's um very cool to finally um connect and have you on the show. No, it was it was awesome talking to you, dude. I really appreciate it. And finally, I want to give a huge thanks to Tom Heathrow and Evgeny um, Zebulov. Uh, they are in the Slack group as well, and they're managing a lot of the behind the scenes with social stuff. So a huge thank you to you guys. Um, yeah, just really appreciate you giving up your time to help me out so that I've got one less task to do. Everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great week. Okay, bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.